0: Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So, I wanted to do a reaction video. <laughs> I don't, I don't do these things very often, but I was sent a video this morning, and uh, I, I watched a, a couple parts of it, and uh, so I thought it'd be good to do a reaction. And uh, this guy seems like a smart guy, so I wanted to give him some. Uh, some props and then also give him some exposure to his channel. So, let's go ahead and have some fun here. And oh, there Josh has got it up. So you can see the thumbnail of his video is George Gammon is wrong. <laughs> and his channel is oh, that thanks Josh. His channel is Finance Uncut. So, Finance Uncut is where you can find this gentleman and the video. So let's uh, shoot into exactly what his criticisms of George Gammon actually are. So we'll go over here, Josh. We all set up, buddy. Just hit play. I'll assume that's a yes. Yeah, sorry. I was muted. (laughs) Okay.
1: Before I get to that, you'll probably recognize this thumbnail uh, from one of George's videos. And... Someone actually, actually shared this with, this with me and said, Steve, Steve, I think George has uh, taken your thumbnail. thumbnail. So you have a look at it on the right there, hand, uh, that thumbnail. And here's my, my thumbnail, thumbnail in the middle here. Alton Gold is king. king. So you, you can see, see there, and you can see, see there.
0: So the first thing that he does, I I guess, if, I don't know if accuse is the right word. That might be a little strong. But he he says that I'm basically... Uh, maybe i don't know watching his videos seeing his thumbnail and saying oh my gosh that looks like a great thumbnail i'm gonna go ahead and use that on the rebel capitalist channel and you know all these things um my first response uh would be steve i, I don't do my thumbnails man <laughs> I, now if it like the thumbnail for this video i would do that because i just hit like the quick time player so like this part of it on the left i do that but then I send it to my, uh, Stephanie does the thumbnails for the Rebel Capitalist channel. Then a gal named Catherine does the thumbnails from the, uh, for the George Gammon channel. And so I send it to them and then they send it right back to me. And now sometimes I do give them a specific picture to go along with this, basically just a snapshot, of quick time video. And, but then sometimes I don't. So they're putting together that, uh, that thumbnail. But what we do, honestly, Steve, is, is we don't go to other people's channels and try to you know, find, oh my gosh, that thumbnail looks great. I'm going to go ahead and copy that. No, what this uh, is an example. This one was on Zoltan Posar, as you say. And so what we would do is uh, I would go ahead and take this QuickTime picture, I would uh, send this to Stephanie. And then I would either send her a picture like this or she would find it on her own. And the way we would find this is not scouring YouTube. It's just simply going into Google and just typing in Zoltan Gold and then click Images. And then you just kind of see what's there. And so what happened, obviously, with this is when they typed in Zoltan Gold or whatever they typed in, an image of your thumbnail must have come up in the Google search when you click on images. So let's be clear on that one. Let's keep going here. And now I'm gonna fast forward a bit here because you know obviously the meat of this video isn't about just my thumbnails.
1: Videos in recent weeks and months, George has been disparaging Austrian economists and Austrian economics. It's funny because when he first started the channel, he said he's an Austrian.
0: Uh, and then- no, I, I didn't actually. Um, so I, I don't know that disparaging Would be the right word because what I've done is I've said that Austrians and uh, gold bugs and Bitcoiners they don't really understand the monetary system, and uh, but that that's see here's where you have to understand that's not really a disparaging comment. Um, I understand how people would take it that way, and that's my fault for um, not explaining you know kind of how I'm I'm describing it or what my intentions are in the description. But um, just to say that the Austrians don't understand the global monetary system or the way money is created, that, that's not a disparaging uh, comment from the standpoint of nobody does. Nobody. I'm not saying that the, the Austrians are, oh, well, they get everything, but this, they're just way wrong on it. And if they'd only listen to the Keynesians and, oh my gosh, you know they'd have this perfect model. No, no, no. The Austrians don't get it. The Keynesians don't get it. I don't know any economics. In fact, I don't even know any economists that 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 I would say really get it. And you, you, and the, and again, that's not really disparaging when you understand that. Okay, how many people in the world actually do get this stuff? A hundred, maybe, in, in a in a global population of eight billion. So for and and listen, I don't understand it. S- I think Snyder, and he references Snyder in the video. Um, Snyder would admit that he doesn't really completely understand it. You can't because it's all in the shadows. So you just have to kind of, it's like you're trying to solve a puzzle with a hundred pieces with only like 20 pieces of the puzzle. What I'm saying is that the Austrians and the mainstream economy, you know, kind of the economists out there um, or they are trying to, they're not even trying to solve the puzzle. And if they do, they've got like one piece or two piece. Nobody has all 100 pieces. Nobody. I definitely don't. And, but, but the thing, so how do you tell who knows the most? I think number one is that the more you understand how the system works, the more you realize how little you know. And that definitely is how I came to, to, you know, how my thinking has evolved. And why it's still evolving. And, um, you know, I, w- I would never imply that I have a monopoly on on the truth or anything like that. But what happened is when I first, and, and, and so let's go back to his Austrian. Okay, so I've never really said, hey, I'm an Austrian. Now, I agree with probably 99% of what they're talking about outside of the money system. Uh, and, and even with some components there, of course, they get it right. Right? When they're talking about fractional reserve banking in the, uh, you know, the 1800s and whatnot. Or full reserve banking? Yeah, of course they're they're they get most of it right, um, but I would agree with you know the rest of this stuff. Of course, absolutely. I mean, I'm a I'm a libertarian. I'm a free market guy. Free market capitalism, uh, freedom, liberty. So that's going to be you know I'm going to agree with ninety percent of what most Austrians would say. But what it, it, for those of you who have followed my channel? Now, I don't maybe I said that just kind of in a in a general way, but what I've most often said, and those of you who have watched my channel for a long, long time will know this, is I I say that I'm not in the Austrian school. I'm not in the Keynesian school. I'm just simply in the school of common sense. That's all I use, is just common sense. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I, I I don't maybe fit exactly in because I I never was trained. I've never taken a class. I've never, uh, you know, I just had to kind of learn this from scratch just by trying to figure out how things work by just simply using some common sense. And then just trying to, if I didn't understand, I just dig, 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 dig until I did. And, um, you know, when I first started this journey, uh, I, I did believe that the, uh, the, the majority of the transactions as an example in the banking system were settled on the feds balance sheet. And therefore, bank reserves made a difference. And uh, I would even go so far as to say that I I thought that by the Fed increasing their balance sheet, that they would increase the balance sheet capacity of the commercial banking system. Um, But then as I did more and more videos, and I think that's the key, and that's one of the big uh, edges that I've had, is I've done so many whiteboard videos where I might not know it. I, I might not understand it. And so I, I research and research and research until I figure it out to a point where I think I can't explain it. Not that I figured out everything, not even close, but just to the point where I can explain it. And in doing so, you start to run into brick walls with this idea that like everything's settled on the Fed's balance sheet, as an example, right? Uh, and so what I would do is I would say, okay, well, this, if this is true, then what I'm seeing over here doesn't make any sense. And, and it's, so these numbers that I'm seeing over here, you can't get from A to B. There, there's got to be something in between there that I just can't see or I, I can't you know, get my head around. So it's just that process of exploration without being, I think, maybe constrained by a particular school of thought because I never took a class in it, right? So anyway... Let's keep going here. So I, 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 I'm very sympathetic to the Austrians. I, I've got a huge, obviously Schiff is a good buddy. Um, Bob Murphy, who's someone who he talks about, absolutely love Bob Murphy. And I'm all about uh, you know, libertarianism and free market capitalism, freedom, liberty. So obviously, Ron Paul is one of my heroes. You, know, you guys know that I had him out at uh, my Houston event. And I said many times, and I think I even put out there on Twitter and, and Instagram, but that that was one of the highlights of my life is just having the opportunity to meet Ron Paul. And I mean, that was just like, I'll, I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget that. So um, yes, very sympathetic, but I just don't agree with them on uh, their view of how the modern day banking system works and how money is created. And uh, but I think it would be weird if I did agree with one school of thought hundred percent. I mean, isn't that the whole point <laughs> for us to have debates? Anyway, let's keep going here. And he's obviously gone down
1: the uh, Jeff Snyder uh, and the uh, Steve Van Meter um, camp. And look, those guys, along, along with Harry Dent, Dent, have been saying deflation for the last three years. And <clears throat> we have inflation. They said buy bonds in 2020. You bought bonds in 2020.
0: You got- Whoops. I, I, did the, I tried to speed it up for you guys, but let's just go back to 1.5 here. So here he's saying that you know I'm in the Snyder camp and, and Steve Van Meter. Um, I mean, I see things... Obviously, I've learned a lot from Jeff, that's for sure. Uh, I've debated Steve many times. And um, I I would also suggest maybe checking out my views, which you guys know, Uh, going back to 2020, 2021. And uh, I I said that, you know, my base case was stagflation. Uh, And then what was it? Maybe six months ago, I came out and said, okay, base case, still stagflation, an inflationary decade. But uh, into Q4, or Q1, or you know, right around the time that we're in, probably see a, a bit of disinflation, and that if we have a big, uh, you know, financial crisis, we could see a, a quick burst of consumer price deflation, like we saw in 2007. So, if you—not that he's implying this, but if you—if he was implying that my—I'm just in lockstep with, with Jeff Snyder—that that's not
1: true. You got creamed. Uh, if you bought commodities and energy in 2020, you smashed it. So
0: Okay, Steve, well, what was I saying in 2020 with my own portfolio? I mean, you guys know this. What was I doing? I was buying commodities, my friend. I was buying commodities. And, and, and you guys know darn well. I've been saying that it's my view that we're in a commodity super cycle and uh, that I'm just buying T-bills right now uh, just in an effort to keep dry powder in order to do what? Buy more commodities.
1: So basically, he's disparaging Austrian economics and actually now starting to mock it. And in a recent video that he just did after a debate with Michael Saylor, uh, once again, he did that. So let's just check out, uh, check out that video uh, that he did mocking Austrian economists.
0: But to think that the, the government has been printing money, and that's why we've had all of this inflation, you know, so let's say from 1950 to 2000, that's just not true. It's not true. And that's one of the fundamental premises of the, the not just the Bitcoin community, but the gold bugs and Austrians is that, you know, uh, 1971, we went on the gold standards. So this just gave free reign to the government to quote unquote print money and did all these things. And once you understand that that's not true, it completely changes your framework. And, and this is what I think uh, the, the Austrians, Bitcoin, Gold Bugs, a, lot, a large percentage of those communities, I think this is the blind spot that they have. And, you know, let's go back to the GFC. Why did almost every single Austrian get inflation wrong?
1: Why? Why? Because they didn't
0: understand money printing. Almost every single Austrian, not not all, but almost every single one thought that quantitative easing would lead to almost hyperinflation. Why didn't it? And now, I granted, it was definitely the inflation rate was higher than the CPI would lead you to believe. But it didn't lead to hyperinflation. Why? Because, exactly what we're talking about, they don't understand money printing. They don't understand the variables that go into a decrease or an increase in M2 money supply. See, the conclusion you have to come to is that, now it is true, and like Michael said, the Civil War, the government definitely printed money. They they literally printed M2. They printed green pieces of paper and and, uh, spent them into the economy. And this is the way the Austrians or the sound money people think the economy works today. That when the government spent money or deficit spends, or they just kind of print green pieces of paper or, or they do that to the fed and and then you ask them okay well if the fed buys from a bank then how does that increase them too and they they just uh, uh, it's like they just put their hands over their ears uh, like they don't even want to go down that path or you just ask them well prior to the gfc how does that happen right the, the bottom line is it doesn't now you go back to world war ii fine but you got 50 years for heaven's sakes between 1950 and 2000. how did that money supply increase by this much it wasn't the government it wasn't the fed the banking system all right so i think they- All right. So obviously, you guys know what I'm saying here is that the the Austrians uh, and I'll, you know, obviously people within the Austrian community have different views and I'm overgeneralizing there. And that's my mistake. I I shouldn't do that. And uh, it's very hard to speak with precision while at the same time trying to keep a video concise and and uh, short enough where people will watch it. So it's a very fine line there. But I will admit that, that this is one thing that's very difficult for me. It's a mistake I make all the time. And probably the biggest mistake that I make is that I use certain phrases and I assume that the viewer knows what I'm talking about based on the context of what I'm saying. But that particular phrase will have multiple definitions based on the context in which I'm using it. So money printing is like the perfect example of that. That is like the perfect example of that. In fact, the only, I think I've said this in videos uh, as well, the only thing or the only phrase or word that I think has more meanings uh, based on the context in which you're using it or your tone would be the word dude. (laughs) And I'm, I'm actually, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but it's actually kind of serious. Like for those of you who use that word, you, it, it can mean anything just based on how you say it. Remember that Bud Light commercial, Josh? You probably don't remember that. I think it's like a Bud Light commercial, is like one of these uh, beer commercials where the whole commercial is like, dude, 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 <laughs> you know, and it had like a, a different meaning for everything. And now that's kind of like the way that the, us kind of macro geeks use the word or the phrase "money printing." So, but, but what I'm talking about there, and you guys know this, is that when the Austrians are the economists, uh, they'll, they'll say, oh, the Fed is printing money. The Fed is printing money. The Fed is printing money, and, uh, and therefore, that's, you know, the Austrians, they're, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, guys, but the Austrians, their definition, true definition of inflation is not necessarily an increase in consumer prices. It's an increase in the money supply, and that can be base money. So when the Fed, quote-unquote, prints money, when they create, when they expand their balance sheet, when they create bank reserves out of thin air, then they are printing money and therefore they are creating inflation. They, the, the, the Federal Reserve. So I'm, I'm using kind of the Fed and the government interchangeably there, but it's the same, it's the exact same concept here. And then uh, what I think, and again, I want to put words in their mouth here, but I think most of them uh, would say, okay, when they increase these bank reserves, then what that does is that add balance sheet capacity to the commercial banks. So now what this gentleman is doing is he's going and saying, George, you got to read theory of money credit. You got to read this and this and this and this as though, you know, as though I I don't understand these things or I haven't read a lot of this. Um, but, you know, he's going to point out that, no, the Austrians don't say that the Fed prints money. They, they, they say that, uh, or the government, they say right here that it's the banking system. That's the banking system. Right. But let's be honest here. Uh, they also say that the Fed prints money. And that it, it, even if the banks do um, multiply it through a money multiplier, uh, that they're lending it out through fractional reserve banking, it still goes back to the Federal Reserve. So if the Fed increases their balance sheet, and again, adds balance sheet capacity to the banks, and therefore that base money will translate, in, or that base money will translate into broad money, and therefore the Fed's creating it. They're the, the puppeteer here. And then another thing uh, I've heard a lot of them say is that, well, if the fed keeps interest rates artificially low, then that's going to increase demand for loans. That means there's going to be more, uh, money creation, broad money by the banking system. And therefore that could be, uh, within that definition of the government or the fed quote unquote printing money, even though the banking system is creating those dollars when they're lending it into existence, at least the dollars in broad money supply. So I I think it's, and again, this is probably my mistake. But I thought it was pretty darn obvious uh, that I'm talking when I'm referring to the Austrians. I'm referring to um, what I've heard a lot of them say, uh, which is this view that when the Fed creates bank reserves out of thin air, that this is money printing. And ironically, ironically, I think I'm the one that's kind of uh, you know, standing up and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. they're not printing money. Uh, they're, they're actually printing bank reserves, uh, which is, is different. Especially if you're considering money, quote unquote, or currency, uh, really uh, M2 money supply instead of base money, and and again, I I challenge this gentleman to find a uh, a prominent Austrian or someone who you know uh, would would categorize them that way, categorize themselves that way, that says that uh, when the Fed expands their balance sheet, it is not money printing. Uh, I, I I've, that's that's what I've heard them say over and over and over again there you go um,
1: George who when he started his channel claimed to be of the Austrian so side of then, things and yep I kind of believe in Austrian economics, economics and all that sort of stuff, stuff. Uh, I have noticed uh, as time's gone on he now kind of says Milton Friedman, Friedman and the Sowell of the Chicago School are his favourite economists and definitely, definitely yeah, yeah, more down to Steve Van Meter Jeff Snyder side of economic history and whatnot. Like you heard everything that, that he said about uh, Austrian uh, economists not, uh, not understanding, understanding the monetary system and claiming that um, you know Austrians, uh, think Austrians think that the government print money. money. Okay, so yeah, what I did was I commented on the video. You know, I, I, I just I said, said George, uh, and I, I said, said in previous videos where he's kind of mentioned this. Stuff yeah, again. So and I said, please show me where Austrian economists say that say that, that, um, that uh, the, the government print money, that's where inflation, inflation is. is. Um, so any comments uh, I shared? I just simply asked George, have you? Read Ludwig von Mises, the theory of money and credit, credit. and if you have, where in here does Ludwig von Mises say that the you know the government is the creator of of money? They print money. That's that's a mistake. That's that's you know the charters and That's that's not Austrian. I then asked George, George, have you read Rothbard's The Mystery of Banking? Uh, Show me where in here Rothbard says that the government prints money. That the government is the, the printer of money. The main printer of money. No, Rothbard doesn't say it. So you I,
0: know, I, 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 I didn't say that Austrians think the government is the main printer of money. If I did, I, I used, again, that, that was my mistake. Uh, I, I, I'm saying that from what I've heard, maybe I'm wrong. You guys can correct me here in the comments. That when, the, when I talk to Austrians or I listen to podcasts or do whatever, they will say the Federal Reserve is printing money. The Federal Reserve is printing money. And they they use that to show that if there's an increase in base money, there will most likely be a corresponding increase in broad money. And if you increase broad money in excess of supply of goods and services, then you're going to get consumer price inflation. That consumer price inflation is just a symptom. It's a symptom of an increase of the base money, which the Fed Creates out of thin air through their "quote unquote" money printer. Uh,
1: George, this in the comments, and then I shared this link: um, a recent book by uh, Bob Murphy, "Understanding Money Mechanics." And I said, George, have you read Austrian economist Bob Murphy? His book, "Understanding Money Mechanics." Where are you does Bob Murphy say that the government prints money? Um,
0: and just so, if this gentleman uh, that's doing this, uh, if he watches this video. Uh, I, I actually did, and you guys know this if you watched uh, the videos the last couple of days. I, I did a live stream uh, talking about this book specifically, uh, because Bob actually sent me a link to it when he was uh, going over some of the, the, the tweets that I had sent out. So again, to be clear here, my uh, my my main disagreement is that I don't think the Federal Reserve has a, a, a big impact on M2 money supply, especially since the 1970s or so, uh, where I would assume, and again, maybe I'm wrong, that the Austrians would say that the Federal Reserve has had a massive impact on the amount of M2 money supply. So that That's, I think, really the, the differentiating point. Now, Going uh, back to Bob's book, which is great, but I, the the comments I had based on uh, I think the chapters that it was Bob or someone encouraged me to read was uh, just the settlement process, really. And I would encourage anyone that uh, that is still under the the train of thought, which I was for a long, 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 long time, that the way banks settle transactions is just on the Fed's balance sheet. So, and this is exactly what Bob talks about in the, the, I forget which chapter it was that I was reading or what he was referencing based on my tweets. I think it was chapter 12. And he, he talks about the settlement process if the uh, person is transferring money to a person that is with the same bank and then if a person transfers money to a person that is using a different bank and how they're, uh, they're transferring, Bank A is transferring a liability, a commercial deposit liability, to Bank B. And therefore, they have to back that up with an asset. And so what Bob is saying, that in that case, those, those bank reserves would go over from Bank A to Bank B, so then they would have that asset to match up with that liability. This is, this is stuff that, that I've been talking about at nauseum, Really, since I don't know, since I started the channel, or going way, 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 way back. And this is correct. This is absolutely 100% correct. But it leaves out a, a key component there that that transaction can not only settle by transferring assets, but it can also settle by reducing liabilities. So if bank A Sends a liability to bank B, they could, if bank A has an account with bank B, or vice versa, you know, vice versa there, that they could say, Hey, I'm sending you a million dollar liability. Go ahead and reduce my account balance, which is a liability in your balance sheet, by the million dollars. So it nets out. So that's a that that transaction occurs entirely. Well, I shouldn't say that. It doesn't in in, in occurs entirely on the bank's balance sheets and it does not impact, it does not occur uh, on the balance sheet of the federal reserve. It, it's it's where the banks are doing all this business back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth without the federal reserve being part of those transactions in any way, shape, or form. And when when you just think about it in those terms, like when I'm describing, I'm sure most of you are saying, yeah, that makes sense, George, that the banks settle transactions between one another, especially outside of the United States and especially in the Euro dollar system. And when they're, you know, so they can create more and more and more dollars, which is they're doing, just like uh, this gentleman's saying, I'm sure that, uh, you know, these first two books were talking about fractional reserve banking and you know, the Austrians totally get that, obviously. Totally get it, totally get it. But that would imply Fractional reserve banking would imply that you need reserves to settle trend. And you don't, and you don't. And and that was a very hard thing. I, I can't tell you how long it took me to get my head around that. And in fact, what was funny is yesterday I was talking with Josh and we were actually discussing the, Evolution in thought, and I remember uh, we actually pulled up some emails that I was going back and forth with some uh, people that are very well known on Fintwit. This is back when I first started the the Rebel Capitalist show in, in the beginning of twenty twenty, probably prior to the Cervasa sickness. And what was funny, and I hadn't seen these emails in so long. And what was funny is you could see me going back and forth and back and forth and asking these questions, and you could see how I was trying to. Get my head around, you know, if 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 a bank in uh, the Bahamas or whatever uh, sends a a dollar liability to a bank in Hong Kong, uh, how does that settle on the Fed's balance sheet? You know, what what's the underlying? And then, I mean, that's just kind of a a basic example. And there could be ways that that could settle on the Fed's balance sheet through correspondent banking relationships and whatnot. But I'm saying, you know, are all of these doing that? And then you kind of say, there's no that all of these, you've got $100 trillion, let's just say, in the global monetary system. Now, all of that is just, it just happens to be revolving around the Fed. And, and then, so what you start to realize when you're doing these whiteboard videos is you set up the, the balance sheets. That's why I always do those T's with the assets and the liabilities. And you go through and you just for hours and hours and hours and hours, and you try to figure out how, uh, transactions could settle without reserves, without cash. And when you go through that process, and then you kind of have like this epiphany moment, you're like, "Ah, that's how I do it. That's how." And then you take that a step further, and 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 then you come to the conclusion that that I think most people would come to the conclusion that I have come to that there's nothing that constrains the banks. <laughs> because when you go through those balance sheets, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. If they can create their own assets and they can create their own liabilities and they can do this without needing reserves, with basically, let's call it ledger money, then th- this this changes everything. This changes absolutely everything. I think for, um, and so very few people, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, have, have, have gone through that, that journey, right? And it's not to say that the uh, Austrians are wrong or anything like this, but it, it's just to say that um, from what I have seen, they're, they're still assuming that they're, they're, they still haven't explored possibility of banks being able to completely settle amongst themselves. And and if they could go down that path, I think they most, in my opinion, maybe they wouldn't, they, they would also come to the conclusion that although the Fed does matter, and I'm, I mean, this is coming from a guy who says, and the Fed, right? Um, but it, it, it might not be as important to M2 money supply, therefore inflation deflation. And that was my point about the Austrians back in the GFC. It, it wasn't to to mock them or whatever like that. You know, I was just kind of joking around there. And if they took it that way, I apologize. But it's because um, it's, I mean no disrespect. But it was just to say that, that they thought, a lot of them, maybe not all, but they thought that that increase in base money would lead to an increase in broad money because they thought that there was this, this fixed relationship between base money. and broad, Why would you think that? Well, you would come to that conclusion if you thought that everything had to be settled on the Fed's balance sheet with bank reserves, and therefore, if they increase the reserves, then that increases the balance sheet capacity for the banking system. So, of course, they're going to lend more. Of course, they're going to create more dollars. And of course, that's going to create consumer price inflation. But, but why didn't it? Because the bank's balance sheets were never constrained to begin with. And just to be clear, why weren't they constrained? Because they can settle transactions without the use of the Federal Reserve and bank reserves, especially outside of the United States. Yeah. He didn't respond. Now, we can have a look at... And I, I hate to stop right there so quickly, but so just as a reminder, he's saying that he's commenting on all these videos and that I'm just blowing him off because I'm not responding. And here, I, I would tell the, the gentleman, um, you've got 16,000 subscribers, and that's great. That, that's serious. That, you know how hard that is. And most people watching this video will never, ever know how difficult that is. Um, I would say maybe 2% of YouTubers start a channel ever get to this level 16,000 but i would also say that at this level you, you it's easy to read all your comments and i used to do it but when you're getting literally thousands and thousands of comments a day you can't read them you can't and i wish i could but it got to the point probably in 2020 maybe it was a little yeah i think it was the beginning of 2020 where I would try to read my comments. And in fact, I remember this vividly. I would upload a video and I would specifically allocate the next hour um, to just trying to answer as many comments as I could. And it got to the point where there's just no way. It was physically impossible. So I just went from uh, reading the comments to just looking at the thumbs up and the thumbs down. And I just figured that if there were more thumbs up or it was like 99% or something like that, then okay, well, that just must mean people like it. And that's the only way that I could I could do it because it's just too much. It's like a fire hose of comments. And um, so, you know, occasionally I'll get the chance to read uh, one or two, but I, I, I just, there's no way to read them. So for him to say, well, look, I posted this on George Gamma's channel and he's obviously ignoring it because he wants to, just sit there and be mad at Austrians with no rationale. And you know, he just, he, he just, he's choosing to be ignorant because I'm posting these things that would help educate him as to how the Austrians think. And he's obviously not reading my comments because he's not even responding to them. I, 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 I get it, but please try to understand that if you have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of comments a day it's just not possible. And and, and when you get to, uh, which I'm sure you will, because obviously I'm, I, I'm, you're a smart guy and I'm sure your channel is going to continue to grow. When you get up to a hundred thousand or something, you'll look back on this video and you'll say, oh, now I know exactly what George was talking about. Um,
1: Bob, Murphy's book, um, Bob Murphy's book, Understanding Money Mechanics, by the way, I'll put a link in the description below. You guys can download these books for free. Uh, and read them yourselves, but here just a table of contents from Bob Murphy's book. So check it out. So we have got introduction, chapter one, chapter two, the theory and brief history of money and banking. Chapter three, a brief history of the old standard, with focus on the United States. Chapter four, the history and structure of the Federal Reserve System. uh Then we go into part two, the mechanics, which is chapter five, standard open market operations. How the Fed and the commercial banks create money. Uh, chapter six, beyond the Fed, shadow banking and the global market for dollars. So this is you know he talks about the euro dollar and LIBOR, etc. Chapter seven, central banking since the two thousand eight financial crisis. Chapter eight, its policy since the twenty twenty. You know what. Uh, and then part three, application. So chapter nine, Ludwig Mises' circulation, credit theory of the trade cycle. Chapter 10, monetary inflation and price inflation. Chapter 11, the inverted yield curve and recession. Chapter 12, the Fed and the housing bubble bust. And part four, uh, challenges. Chapter 13, does textbook explanation get money in banking backwards? Chapter 14, crying wolf on hyperinflation. Chapter 15, the Keynesians on the cause of and cure for depression. Okay, so he's just going through Bob's government book here. here. Government print money. And, and I highly suggest... Georgia, talks, ...talks about, uh, well, all Austrians thought that, uh, you know, we to have hyperinflation. Um, you know, when QE began. Um, well, some did. And know, some of the the Austrians.
0: Did I say all Austrians? No, I didn't. If you go back and I'm not going to go back and rewind it, but if you guys rewind it and listen to what I said, I said most or some. I, I, I did not say all. Did.
1: But the, I, remember I remember back then, then uh, around the Mises Institute, there was a lot of debate
0: about, about this
1: and about whether was there was going to uh, be hyperinflation. And there's a lot of Austrians that were saying, no, it's, it's not. not. But, the, bank, the central bank are creating bank reserves and just buying these these assets, and it's like an asset swap. Um, and it's not going to cause direct inflation unless the banks then increase uh, their lending. Now, I also shared... in
0: See, in case they increase their lending. Yeah, I'm not, I want to put words in his mouth, but this would imply that uh, the, the, the Fed has control over the uh, capacity... Of the balance sheet negative total for the banking system, that that's that's where I definitely do not agree.
1: Comments on George's video. I said, George, here, check out this episode of the Bob Murphy Show, episode two hundred. VJ your Party explains why he was right about inflation in twenty ten and Bitcoin in twenty eighteen. Um, VJ said back in two thousand ten that we aren't going, going to, to see inflation. inflation. This is an Austrian saying that, saying that we're not, we're not going, going to see the hyperinflation. hyperinflation. Why? Because he explains how bank it? reserves work. So you know, I, I asked George, George listen to it. Have you have you listened to this? You know, not every Austrian uh, thought that. But, you know, once again, um, he tells people to stop hearing the noise. I think George should listen to himself. Stop listening to the noise and actually read the literature. Um, Listen to what Austrian economists actually say, not just listen to the loud ones that, uh, you know, um, like Peter Schiff, for example. And I even shared uh, this as well with with George in the comments. Um, I said, George, you know, did you realise that Bob Murphy actually actually spoke with your mate, Jess Snyder, explaining the repo market flare up, the Fed's phony solution, the global dollar problem? George thinks that uh, that Austrians don't understand the monetary system. They don't don't understand understand the euro dollar system. They don't understand bank bank reserves. That we're all just some kind of, um, I don't know. I don't want to use the words, but yeah. Um, I would encourage George, as someone who studied Austrian economics, uh, who's done postgrad uh, from the Mises Institute, and
0: read. See you guys. What? So let's go back to the beginning of the video right here. Um, remember when I said that that I, I I thought I had a bit of an edge because I, I had zero bias coming into. I was a clean slate. Well, when I retired in 2012 and first started to learn about economics and, uh, and macro and whatnot, I knew nothing. I knew zero. I had no clue what the Federal Reserve was. No clue. None. I, barely, I didn't even know what the bond market was. I didn't know what a yield curve was. I knew nothing. Zero. I've never taken an economics class ever in my life. I've never taken a finance class. I've never taken a business class for that matter. Um, as you guys know, I almost flunked out of high school. Now I did end up taking, uh, going to uh university and whatnot, but I got just as bad of grades there, <laughs> but I almost flunked that. I, you guys know this. I, I, I've, I've just, the bottom line is I started with a clean slate, but this gentleman, you know, what he's saying? He's saying that, listen, uh, what did he say exactly? Um, I would encourage George
1: as someone who studied Austrian economics, uh, who's done postgrad uh, from the Mises Institute, and
0: see, postgrad from not not that that's any knock against you. I mean, I think that's great, but I I do think it may just may uh, prevent you from exploring uh, certain or or maybe it would uh, prevent you from asking questions, or maybe it would uh, put you into a mode where you assume things that are true are true, that are said over and over and over and over and over and over again, such as uh, the the Fed keeps interest rates artificially low. That's just something that all of us, and I did it too, just, oh, well, yeah, of course, yeah, Fed, artificially low interest rates. I don't know. I don't know. Does the the Fed have uh, interest rates artificially low right now? I think there's a good argument to say they have them artificially high. So again, I'm wearing a hat that says, and the Fed, I I I think we should have market interest rates, absolutely 100%. But it doesn't mean that the Fed, although they're most likely always wrong, it doesn't mean they're always likely wrong in one direction. I don't know. Yeah, Now, I agree from 2010 or whatever to today's date, I think there's a high probability that they come too low or or maybe back to 2020, let's say 2021. Um, but. From, I don't know. In the 80s, did they have them way too low? And are you know the pushback there might be? Well, they've got them under the uh, the CPI, so you've got negative real rates. Okay, fine, but go back. We had we had negative real rates in the late 1800s, and so that that I don't know that that in and of itself uh, is an argument there. But I just wanted to point out that maybe and maybe i don't maybe it's a huge disadvantage that i that i didn't come up taking uh you know i didn't go to mises any of the classes or the university or i didn't study economics in in school i don't have a phd uh i've obviously never taken an econ class or finance or business or anything like that maybe that's a huge disadvantage maybe it is and i just don't know that but but maybe just maybe it, it's an advantage from the standpoint of I don't have any preconceptions. I I don't have a bias in one way or the other. Now, going back, uh, uh, with this episode 68 with Snyder, with Bob Murphy, um, I think this gentleman's name is uh, Steve, maybe, that did this. Steve, I have listened to this episode probably 100 times. I remember when it first came out. In fact, I remember where I was when this first came out. And I first listened to it, when I was in the airport in Colombia, and I remember I, because I was in a, I was in the domestic wing of the airport because I'm never on that side. I'm usually on the international wing. And I remember sitting down in the domestic wing, so I walked through the food court, went, sat down, and spent the whole half hour or whatever, uh, or 40 minutes prior to my flight listening to this episode. And this that was the first time that I listened to it. So. Maybe, just 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 maybe, I, I've done a little more research than you might give me credit for.
1: <laughs> I read almost every Austrian economic book uh, there is from, from the major authors anyway, um, that perhaps you should read Austrian economic literature and see what we actually have to say. And yes, going back from Menger to Bombavir, to Mises, to Hayek and Rothbard, all the way through to today with Bob Murphy, the banking system has changed. And so what Menga wrote and what Mises wrote was applicable for that time period. You know, Whether you're looking at fractional reserve banking and you know different issues uh, around the gold standard and whatnot, remember that the monetary system changed. We didn't have the euro dollar system back in, in Menga and Bob Barberg and, and uh, Mises' day. Uh, we didn't have the petro dollar. We didn't have any of that.
0: Right. You, you didn't, I totally agree. But you had ledger money. You had ledger money. You can take ledger money all the way back to... Who you know, some people say you could take it back to 1800 BC in Babylon.
1: So, yeah, I just it just frustrates me because once again, George is listening to the noise rather than reading the actual literature and saying, well, you know, Austrians just cover their ears and no, 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 no. No, no. Yes, some Austrians did get it wrong and, and called for hyperinflation. And like Bob Murphy, he he got it wrong. And he explains why he got it wrong. And it, it's got nothing to do with, well, the government prints money. He knew the dynamics of it. He just thought that the banks would lend it out. But anyway, but anyway, so... The thing is, I put all this in comments. I wasn't going hard at George. I just wanted to provide information for George. Uh, Here's some resources, George. Um, I just want to point out that you're actually wrong. Here's some resources. Go read it. Go listen to these podcasts, and um, you'll you'll actually see what Austrians actually believe and what we actually uh, talk about what we say and claim. Um, But my comments were deleted. Then I've checked multiple times. My comments were deleted. I don't know why.
0: Uh, Here's where the guy just completely lost the plot. Like... (laughs) Dude, uh, Steve, uh, if you actually think that I have time to go through my comments, first and foremost, if you even think I have time to do that, you're lying to yourself. But if you think that I have time to do that and sift through each one of these comments, like the ones that 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 you're where you're pushing back against my argument or something like that in the video and i say oh my gosh i don't like that comment that makes me look bad i'm going to go ahead and delete this comment yeah this 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 person's obviously trolling or they they're saying something uh that's contrary to what i'm saying so i'm going to go ahead and delete that comment as if i go through and filter my comments you're you're you've completely lost the plot there steve uh, you're, I totally get what you're saying at the beginning makes a lot of sense, but now you've gone off the deep end because this is, it's, this is delusional. My friend, <laughs> I am not deleting your comments, uh, why they're gone. I have no idea, but, uh, the only things that I will delete is if I, uh, happen to go th- just click on the comments, cause when you're on the backend analytics, you, there's certain places that will show like the last three comments or something like that. So that's when I can kind of just see one thing there. And if I see something that I'll, I'll click on it, say, oh, what's this person saying? Or I'll, I I might respond to it quickly or I might just give it a quick like or something like that. But the only things that I do when if I do get the chance to see some of the comments is I will, uh, if it's a, a scammer or a bot or something like that, I will delete it. Every single time. If it's a bot or a scammer, I, and I see it, which I see just a fraction of 1%, but I will uh, proactively delete it. Other than that, I will never, ever, 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 ever intentionally uh, delete a comment. And uh, to think that, to, to have the opinion that I go through and filter my comments and delete the ones that I don't like, I think in and of itself might suggest, I'm using my words carefully, that you haven't watched a lot of my videos. And if you have, how how can you watch my live streams? Because I think when you watch my live streams, I would hope that people would get to know me and get to know my personality. Because for those of you who have met me, I think the one thing that you would admit is that the George you see on camera is the George you see in real life. There, there's no filter here. There, there's no me putting on a show, right? This is just this is just me being me. It's one of the reasons why I do these things live. So for the majority of you who who have you know seen so many of my videos that you think that you kind of know my personality, I would I would hope for heaven's sakes that that you would assume that I do not go through my comments with a fine tooth comb and filter them. And if someone doesn't like what I'm saying, or if someone calls me in a a this or that or this or that, okay. In fact, that's one of the things that I pride myself on in on, on Twitter specifically is I have never blocked anyone. Never. Now it is true that if I see a bot or something like that, I will delete the comment and because it's just a scam, right? They're going to a Bitcoin scam or something like that. That I'll delete the scammer and then I will block them. That is true. But outside of a bot or a scammer, no matter how obnoxious the person is, no matter how many death threats I get from them, which I've had multiple, especially on Twitter, I will not block that person. And again, I I, I would just hope that you guys would know me well enough through these videos to assume. That I will not block anyone. I will not delete a comment. And I, I w- in no way, will shy away from criticism, even if it isn't constructive. Um, so I don't know what's up George's butt lately. Um, but
1: yeah, yeah. I, I tried to just, just provide some resources, resources and, and some education. Uh, but you uh, know, George knows it all. So, so, you know, don't debate any of this. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll leave you there. He knows macro better than, better than anyone. anyone.
0: Okay, so again, I'm not going to play the rest of it. I, I don't really recall what he says here, but obviously he's just, he had some good points originally. Now he's just gone off the, the deep end here. So um, where I conclude is, is I actually put a comment to this video and I just explained that uh, I've read a lot of the material. I said, with all due respect, I'm not sure that you really understand my positions and um I uh, just said that, listen I got two channels that it's impossible for me to read all these comments there's no way I'd delete it and uh the Zoltan was probably a, a, just a pick that we got from Google and then I actually invited him to come on a live stream and uh if he wants to if he you know he's got a problem with something I'm saying or if he just wants to have a constructive conversation on Austrian economics I'm more than welcome that absolutely I would love to have him come on love to have him come on and, uh, so I just gave him the name, uh, Angelique. Most of you guys know Angelique and, uh, the email address to go ahead and, and set up the interview. So that's where I left it. Oh my gosh. We're on here about an hour. All right. Well, oh, this is perfect because I'm just about ready to do a Christmas dinner with all the employees. So that, that'll be fun. We were doing it at 1230 Eastern. I had uh so a funny story I'll tell you guys that are on is, uh, I, I was talking to the, some of the employees the other day here in Columbia and I asked them, you know, what type of Turkey they're getting for Christmas dinner. And they looked at me like I had two heads that absolutely no, what a Turkey. I'm like, yeah, that's what do you guys, what do you guys eat on for Christmas? You know, and you got friends and family that come over and they say, oh, we eat empanadas. <laughs> I'm like, what you can't eat empanadas during the holidays on Christmas. So what I did is I hired a chef to come over and actually make them a, a Christmas dinner. And just, we're just doing that today for lunch uh, so we don't interrupt people's actual Christmas and holidays. So we're doing the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, the, the pumpkin pie, all that stuff. Uh, I've got that being catered by a chef uh, so I can give the employees and some friends uh, around the area a a true gringo Christmas. (laughs) All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you on the next video.